All right, Lonzo Community Church, this is an unprecedented time for all of us. This is something we've never done before, and it's something we've never felt the need to do. Uh, we are a church that does not cancel our in-person church services. Uh, we don't cancel church for Super Bowl Sunday. We don't cancel church uh, for many of the different reasons that people think, hey, isn't everyone out of town or isn't everyone going somewhere? We're still going to be there in Lonsdale, and that's something that's very important for, for us to do. This is a different time. Now, we've been asked to have gatherings of no more than 10 people. Uh, I believe that time-wise, uh, there are some things that we can expect, and we certainly want to give you that information as soon as we have it or we know it. Uh, for one thing, I think that Knox County Schools are certainly not going to be back in school until the fall. Uh, it's made tremendous changes for us and program at Thrive. Um, you can uh, help us with some of those efforts uh, by donating non-perishable food items. We're going to be feeding folks uh, by delivering food to their homes. And we're going to also be seeking uh, to take care of the families by staying in regular contact with them and helping them uh, with counseling, with academic support, with lesson plans, etc. We're also, I think, uh, watching this, you may or may not have already enjoyed Nicholas Manley and been able to worship the Lord with him. Uh, we're going to be doing worship for our students at Thrive, and we're going to um, hope that they, in their homes, are able uh, to sing songs that glorify God and um, bring him praises. Uh, this is not something that we are doing um, because um, we are afraid that we are going to die. Uh, as we talked about last week, uh, we know that we are going to die. All of us are going to die. And living in a culture that has sought to deny death, uh, this is a time of heightened opportunity to talk to people who are scared, who are fearful, who are full of anxiety about the hope that we have in Christ and to know uh, that because of him we don't have to be afraid. Uh, we're going to examine some scripture passages uh, together and we're going to talk about some of the practical implications of what we need to be doing uh, to get our minds right in this season of fear, anxiety, and uncertainty. We've been, as a church, studying the book of Colossians. Colossians, just to repeat a few parts of Colossians 3, uh, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What are some of the things that we know we can be doing as a body right now? Well, we can call 
older folks who are in isolation, they're at tremendous risk and really, uh, in as much as they're able, should be sheltering in place. Uh, the same goes for our folks who are at risk because of being immunocompromised or other risk factors. Um, we can check on them. We can reassure them. We can encourage them. Being thankful uh, for God is something we're going to talk a lot more about, but being thankful for each other is critical. When we have someone in our life who's challenging to love, challenging to uh, treat the proper way, um, it is really helpful to come up with ways in which we can pray for them with thankfulness, with thanksgiving. Pray for our political leadership. They're in a really challenging time right now. They're having to make decisions uh, with limited information. And it'll be easy, as we have more information, to say that a lot of those decisions may be the wrong decisions. But right now, they are in a lack of information that is incredibly challenging as an environment to work in. Uh, so we need to be praying for them, that they have wisdom. Many, we are incredibly blessed to be in a place where many of our political leaders are people who know Jesus, who love him, and who are praying for wisdom as they make these calls. We need to be praying for them. We need to be supporting them in any way that we can. We need to be praying for our medical workers. Uh, it's an incredibly high concentration of medical workers for a church as small as ours. Um, but to think about folks... Um, every person who works in the medical field is affected by this. Not that everyone is going to see patients who have this at least early, although depending on infection models, maybe everyone will eventually. But early on, everyone's impacted because of people's fear. Everyone's impacted because of uncertainty. Everyone's impacted because the people who are frontline have been exposed over and over again in a way that the rest of us won't be to people who are carrying the virus and that can cause fear and uncertainty, certainly also presents an opportunity for them to share the reason for the peace and the hope that they have in their lives, their rules over their lives, in a way that a lot of their colleagues may not understand if they don't know Jesus. Looking then at this passage, we remember a few things. The first is set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You are responsible for that. What can you control right now? Goodness, there's so many things that we cannot control. <clears throat> there is a temptation that I certainly fall into uh, to think, well, at least I can control my level of knowledge about a particular issue. I'm going to read everything. I'm going to read every study. I'm going to try to get Google Translate to work on these things because they're not translated from Italian to English yet. I'm going to try to grab everything I can and get deep into this and understand and understand and understand. It's really because that's one of my big responses to feeling a lack of control, feeling like a situation is challenging and I can't do anything about it. Um, what I can do is set my mind on things above. I can decide that I'm not going to be ruled by fear and that I'm going to be focused on things that matter for eternity and I'm going to take a mind that's filled with things of this earth with worries, with cares and concerns, I'm going to bring myself to the foot of the cross. I'm going to set my mind on things that are above. When Christ, who is your life, appears, verse 4, great diagnostic time for us. Because I don't know what it looks like for you. If you've been checking yourself regularly with a thermometer, uh, if every time you have a tickle in your throat, you think, is this it? Am I given this plague? Uh, we should be doing diagnostics in this two-week period starting Monday that we're all supposed to be staying at home. We should be diagnosing 
ourselves spiritually? How are we doing spiritually? When Christ, who is your life, appears, is Christ your life? Does that describe you? Does that describe where you are spiritually? Now, what are we supposed to be putting on? We're supposed to be putting on all these things after verse 12 as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Remember who you are. If you are in Christ, if you know him, you are God's chosen ones, holy, set apart, and beloved. He loves you so much. The one who knows you best loves you most. His plan for your life is good, pleasing, and perfect. He's not surprised by any of this. He's not frustrated by this. He doesn't feel powerless. He has all power. And we can trust him. We can trust that he loves us. Put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. That thankfulness is tied directly to letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We're going to look at a passage in Philippians that says the same thing. If we want to avoid anxiety, if we want to avoid fear, if we want to avoid feeling overwhelmed, we need to tell ourselves the truth. And part of that truth is that we have an incredible amount to be thankful for, to be grateful for. There's a lot of panic and fear and hysteria. You will die. I will die. That is coming for all of us. You are incredibly unlikely to die from COVID-19. It is not Ebola. It is not Marburg. Uh, if it were, I would be coming to you from a, a different location from Lodgedale Community Church than our house in Knoxville. Um, if you ever see me and um, the lights are flickering because the generator's running in the bunker, you'll know that I think that we're in a pandemic that could kill us all. Um, this is not that. But guys, we are in an incredibly challenging situation, a situation that fills people with fear. And one of the best ways to combat that is to be thankful. Be thankful. The person writing this, as we've already talked about, was writing this from prison. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. When is this all going to be over? When is it going to be over? I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. That's one of the most painful parts of this. I think societally that two weeks, we're all going to try to hunker down for the most part. Everybody who is able to is going to be sticking close to home and having very limited contact with others for two weeks. Uh, after that period, I don't know what's going to happen. Here's what I do know. In two weeks, you can memorize a lot of scripture. Over the next month, two months, life will be very different than it was in the previous two months. Whether or not life is better or worse is up to you. Uh, all of us, all of us could get in better shape than we're in now without going to a gym, by working out, by doing sprint, sprints and high interval training. My wife is holding the phone and trying not to shake it with laughter at the idea of me doing sprints and high interval training. If you're smoking, stop smoking. This is a time that you can take care of your health and there are things that you can do. But as a believer, set your mind on things above, be thankful, and in order to speak to one another with Scripture, memorize Scripture. Memorize Scripture. My hope is that when Lonzo Community Church meets again in person, which I know is going to happen, that we'll be able to share 
all the scripture that we've been able to memorize during a time period when we could embrace other things, embrace other distractions, but God's given us a chance and an opportunity to memorize scripture, and we should take care of it by, by doing it. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, we are being assailed right now by the enemy. Satan wants us to be afraid. He wants us to be uh, overwhelmed. He wants us to be overcome. We need a good defense. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Beginning in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive. Guys, for most of us, that's not true. For most of us, we're not doing it. All of us can. All of us should. Am I telling myself the truth? All I need is this type of product that Amazon is out of, and then I won't be afraid anymore. All I need is to find a great show on Netflix that I can binge watch, and then I won't be afraid anymore. All I need is for my husband to help step up and be kinder and do more things around the house and use this time to invest in me and understand my desires and take a painting class, then I can be happy. All I need is for my wife to cook and to enjoy the things that I want to talk about. She needs to tell me to quit. Instead of telling me to quit talking about COVID-19, I want her to read more articles. I could be happy as long as my wife would change. Guys, how many of us, if your parents, are complaining about your kids? I could be really enjoying this quarantine time if I could just get a nap. I could really enjoy this quarantine time if I could just have them leave me alone for a minute. I'd be really enjoying this quarantine. Guys, if your kid was sick right now, if your kid was struggling to breathe, you would be overwhelmed by that consuming you. And while for almost all of us, our kids are healthy, they're healthy. And guess what, guys? This isn't the, the disease or this is not the virus that's likely to have a, uh, be a big problem for our kids. It's not. While your kids are healthy, rejoice. Be thankful that they can run around and play and be obnoxious and fight and be annoying and ask you questions and be curious. Many of you are homeschooling. Quick mid-sermon homeschool lesson. If when this is over... If by the fall, all that happened for you during this homeschool time is that your kid read a few books that they enjoyed, you've done a good job. What we want to happen from this time period, if anything, is that kids love learning more. So answer their questions, engage their minds. There's lots and lots and lots of good things out there, and I don't know what your kid will like, but you do. You're a parent. You can figure that out. And finding ways to engage them with things they enjoy is important. And especially, guys, talking to them about the Lord, talking to them about His Word, reading from His Word, encouraging them, praying with them, praying for them. This is a great time to do that. All I need 
is a great Bible study written by John Piper, and he's written so many, I'm sure I can find the right one, and then I can lead my family well. No. John Piper's wonderful. Go ahead and look through his Bible studies. It's a good use of time. You can lead your family well if you know Jesus by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, by taking on his aspect as a servant, and by overflowing with his love for everybody around you. But take every thought captive. Satan is a liar and a father of lies, and he's looking to destroy you. You can't control what agencies have failed in the run-up to this epidemic. You can't control how fast we can spin up an alternative to the 3M factories in China that aren't getting us N95 masks fast enough. You can't control if your business is suffering because of the shutdown, and you can't control whether or not it's going to come back faster because you've made the right calls. There's so much about this that is out of our control. But we can take every thought captive and we can tell ourselves the truth. We can tell ourselves the truth that we live in an age when for all of us, in the next two weeks, we're not going to starve to death. If you are a young person who doesn't have food, let us know and we'll bring you food. We live in an era of abundance and we absolutely need to be mindful of those who don't have very much. But we are not in panic mode because there's a reason right now today to panic. We're in panic mode because we're not taking every thought captive. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Christ who commanded us to love one another. Christ who commanded us to make disciples. Christ who commanded us to share the good news that he died on the cross to pay for our sins, that he took the punishment that we deserve so that we might be right in right relationship with God. Where are you putting your trust today? Philippians chapter 4, very familiar passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I pray that the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And where does that come from? It comes from Him. We can't stir it up in ourselves. It comes from Him. But when we're bringing Him our prayers, if we leave out thanksgiving, I've done that so many times. Be anxious about nothing and everything by prayer and supplication. Make your request to God. Okay, God, well, here's my list. God, we've got, we've got the church in China. It's being persecuted again. God, I've got North Korea on my mind. They're killing people who have the virus. The church is still oppressed there. God, I've got... My family, oh God, Lawnville Community Church, Lawnville as a community, these other pastors feeling discouraged, things are closing, business leaders who I love, who are having to lay people off. God, oh, here's my, I've done it so many times, guys, and it's so broken, because if you leave out Thanksgiving, you're not going to get the peace. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving 
make your request known to God. Part of the way that he brings his peace to us is when we recognize the ways in which he's blessed us. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Mr. Rogers, from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, was a Presbyterian elder, I believe, a military veteran, saw some really hard things in life. He said that as a child, when there were disasters, his mother, who had been through really horrific things in history as an American, many people in my generation, other than September 11th and the Challenger exploding, haven't been through hard things as an American. This is a hard thing to go through as an American. His mom had been through a lot of really hard things. The Great Depression was a really hard thing. She said to him, whenever you see disaster, whenever you see horrible things happening, look for the helpers. Look for the helpers. It's a change in perspective that changed the way he felt. And again and again, I want to urge you, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's any thing worthy of praise, think about these things. Who's in charge of what you think about? Not the media. Oh, the media is sensationalizing this and they've done a horrible job and they deserve our condemnation. Don't disagree. They're not in charge of what you think about. You are. You are in charge of what you think about. So right after he says, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The peace of the Lord comes again and again through our recognition that he's already blessed us. He's already blessed us with the most important thing, and that is eternal security. But even in this life, if we're looking for it, he's blessed us in overwhelming ways. He's doing such good work in and around us. And we need to give him the praise that he deserves. What worship do you miss the most? Our culture worships celebrities, and now we have to go without our movie theaters. We worship sports, and they canceled March Madness. Be honest with yourself about whether or not you miss sports or church more, and use that as one of the diagnostic tools of your soul. You're supposed to miss church, right? This is not, this is not better. Okay, we're not going to say, this works so well. If I get a better setup with the cameras, I can only dress from here up. And we're going to go to this from now on for Lonsdale Community Church. We're not doing that. We miss being together. We miss giving each other hugs. We miss being able to look in people's facial expressions and see if we need to press in further when we ask how they're doing and they say, I'm fine. We miss being able to fellowship. We miss being able to worship together. All of those things we should miss because we're supposed to do it together and we will again. Thomas Chalmers talked about the expulsive power of a new affection. He has a great long sermon. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read a part of it. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's from 1 John 2.15. 
There are two ways in which a practical moralist may attempt to displace from the human heart its love of the world, either by demonstration of the world's vanity, so as that the heart shall be prevailed upon to simply withdraw its regards from an object that is not worthy of it, or by setting forth another object, even God, is more worthy of its attachment, so as that the heart shall be prevailed upon not to resign an old affection, which shall have nothing to succeed it, but to exchange an old affection for a new one. Later, in describing these old affections and the transformation of them, he says, It is thus that the boy ceases at length to be the slave of his appetite, but it is because a manlier taste has now brought it into subordination, and that the youth ceases to idolize pleasure, but it is because the idol of wealth has become the stronger and gotten the ascendancy, and that even the love of money ceases to have the mastery over the heart of many a thriving citizen, but it is because he's drawn into the whirl of city polities. Another affection has been wrought into his moral system, and he is now lorded over by the love of power. There is not one of these transformations in which the heart is left without an object. Its desire for one particular object may be conquered, but as to its desire for having some one object or another, this is unconquerable. First John chapter 4 is what we're going to end with. First John chapter 4. Chalmers is saying, don't move from, okay, if not Netflix, then my car. If not my boat that I can't use, then whatever. Moving from affection and affection, from worldliness to worldliness, from distraction to distraction, from one aspect of our flesh to another. The only thing that will drive it out is not to point out how little it matters or that in the end, in eternity, it will all burn. The only thing that drives it out is Jesus Christ and focusing on Him, on the truth of the Gospel, on His love and how much better, how much better it is than the counterfeit gods that are offered by this world. First John chapter 4 beginning in verse 16. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is so, also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. How are we doing, church? Are we loving those in isolation with us? Well, I would if... No. He has called us to love. Not because we're lovable. Not because the object of our affection is such a great person. But because the people who you're stuck with are made in the image of God. And He loves them. And so must you. Think of them with thankfulness. Pray for them with thankfulness. Be thankful if you're not alone that you're not alone. Be thankful if you're alone that we live in an age where isolation can be tampered by all of these connections that we can have. Reach out if you need help, please. We want you to tell us if you need food, if you need someone to just talk to. 
Satan wants us in loneliness, isolation, and shame. And God designed us for love and community. And in this challenging time, the way we're going to be able to offer that is different and inferior. And it is inferior to the ways we can do it in person. But we want to do whatever we can. We love you. God bless you. Let's pray. Lord, this is a strange time for all of us. We want to be thankful. We pray that we don't waste this time. We pray that this is a turning point in our lives, a turning point towards loving others better, a turning point towards fearlessness, a turning point towards rejecting the temptations to be caught up in lesser gods to worship things that are not worthy of our worship. We pray as we're challenged with a lack of corporate worship that our lives will be even more attuned to how much we need that, to how much you deserve that. Lord, we love you and thank you because you've rescued us, because you've redeemed us, because you took our dead hearts and gave us new life. We pray for an urgency to share that good news. We know statistics. We've obsessed over them. We know that we're unlikely to die. But we also know that we are going to die someday. And so is everyone who we know. Give us an urgency to use this time to share the good news of the gospel with them. Help us to make it clear to all of those who you've put in our paths that you love them, and that we love them. In Jesus' name, amen.